Welcome everyone to episode 231 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I am your host Dan, and I am the only one here today. I gave the other dudes a week the week off because, well, it's well deserved and it's right before Christmas and everyone's got a lot of stuff to do. Plus it's a good opportunity for us to re- revisit the year in gaming. Uh, like I did last year, I'm going to be playing some clips from some of the earlier games that came out. Uh, probably starting in January, going all the way up until September. Everything else is pretty recent, so we probably don't need to need to play clips from those. But it's nice to go back and and listen to some of the, some of our thoughts from from earlier on in the year. Uh, it gives us some good context too for our Thummies episode, which is coming up on January second. So be sure to catch that. We'll be streaming it live as always, and then it'll be available for download like always. So. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to start with episode 185, entitled "The Dying Light." It's kind of the first AAA game that came out this year. Uh, I think this was episode was from either late January. I think we actually recorded it in early February. Uh, we wanted to get some some time with it, so that'll be the first game on the list. So yeah, without further ado, episode 185, "Dying Light." in there too oh god yeah. i forgot about uh yeah one of the buttons you can you you can kick to give yourself a little space or if you kick him in the legs it'll knock a zombie down kick is great too because your your attacks take up your stamina bar yep so kicks do not yeah so if you're out of stamina to use your uh melee attack uh just kick them back yep. kick you, them down to, to rebuild your stamina and get a little a little space from, little from your attackers do you get tired pretty easily in that game yep. yeah. yeah um i think i'm on you like you can level it up though yeah. yeah i think i'm in the second level of stamina okay all the frustrating uh, things i found are things you can upgrade in the skill tree yeah okay uh, different weapons use different amounts of stamina too. Like I have a a couple times I've gotten a giant maul, which is a piece of rebar with a concrete hanging off of it. Yeah. Uh, and one swing with that will deplete your stamina. Whereas like a little knife, you can swing it a lot and it's not okay. going to deplete your stamina as much. And what's also good about it is that um, there's combat stamina, which is what you use to fight with. But then like running is a whole different beast. Yeah. So oh. if your combat stamina runs out, you can just start sprinting away yeah. until it recharges. I think that's a pretty. And then that's a pretty big difference. I think at Dead Island it was one bar. It was all one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that'll fold into my next thing, and that's the skill tree, um, because like like Corey said, uh, there's different experiences too. So uh, running and jumping and climbing up buildings gets you agile, agility experience. One other thing about the combat, Dan, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Jake brought this up in the chat was the bones breaking. Oh yeah. Which was kind of like in Mortal Kombat. Yep. Where if you hit hard enough in one spot, it does like the the X ray of the bones. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, if you clobber them in the head, like it'll show the the head going and and like cracking uh, concussion and, and give give it gives you a, uh, at least the headshots would give you a it, it would stun them and give oh, you that's give awesome. you like a free attack. That's awesome. Yeah, but yes, to the skill tree. Yeah, um, one, another thing I like about this game is the the different differing experience. There's combat experience, which is was is that called strength strength. Strength, uh, which you get from killing things. Um, in any way, uh, you know, Molotov cocktail, you burn a bunch of zombies, you get experience, um, all the different weapons. Uh, and then there's the agility experience, which you get from running and jumping. And uh, you get more, obviously, the harder things you do. Like if you jump a huge gap and grab on, you get more experience than if you just run and jump over a little fence. Do you get more points for, like, keeping a combo streak going with climbing? I think so. Yeah, I, I think, think there's might. I think there's uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when I'm running, I'm running from something. Yeah, like so you're really, not really running. Any attention. I'm not paying attention <laughs> yeah. to the experience that much, but it's usually at night when I'm running from those uh, whatever the, the volatiles. Really volatiles, yeah. 
Um, so there's that, and then there's survivor experience, which you get from completing quests, uh, helping random people on the map. Like there'll be a little blue icon on the mini map, uh, and you can go help someone that's being attacked by zombies. Um, completing side quests, stuff like that, you get survivor Airdrops? for. Do you um, get... I don't know if you get it for for finding air. I think you you get it when you return the supplies that you get from to the quartermasters. Yeah. Okay. Which is cool. Uh, so speaking that. of the quartermaster, I want his T-shirt. What does it have? The one. It? It's the one with the turtle on it. I'd have to and look at the it again. quartermaster in the towers. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's really cool. I don't ever notice things like that. Yeah, I didn't notice either. Uh, and then crafting. Can't, yeah. can't forget about crafting. Again, another holdover from, from Dead Island. Uh, you know, you have your weapons and they degrade over time. So, you know, the better quality weapons you'll be, re- be able to repair more often. And uh, you get blueprints, I guess, uh, for, for upgrade options um, of, of the same kind of uh, loot system, I guess, as, as like other RPGs. Like, uh, you know, the, your white ones are the lowest level and then... Uh, green is the next level, and then blue, and then orange, and then purple, or purple, oh. and then orange. So okay. It has that same kind of color coordination, and, and your upgrades work like that, too. Um, I have one called Puke and Nuke, which, is, <laughs> which it, it adds a little fire and a little toxic damage to every everything. Uh. It's like a it's like a little flame on one side of the thing, and then like a something that's spouting poison on the other side. Yeah. So when you put them on the weapons, you actually see, see them on there, too, oh, yeah. which is cool. I, my favorite thing to craft is the elemental throwing stars. Mm-hmm. That's Pretty awesome. Sweet. Yeah, they have exploding ones, or it'll hit them, and they go flying into the air. Or there's burning ones, so they just catch on fire. Yeah, that's so cool. Which not only damages them, but renders them useless, so yeah. they don't attack you. So if there's multiple enemies, and one's on fire, you can kind of put him aside for a good 10, 15 seconds while you fight the other ones. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and you can there's like combos too. Like you can throw uh, a flammable liquid on them and it explodes and bursts all over the zombies, and then throw the the flaming star or a Molotov cocktail and just set the whole thing on fire. It's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, one frustrating thing about the combat, it's not too frustrating, but um, and I know this is another thing that you can upgrade in the skill tree, is uh, how often your weapons break. Yeah. I feel like that happens quite often. Yeah. And they do all of them have a limited number of repairs? I think so. I think the, the higher ones get to be like five. Okay. I've gotten some with five and maybe like one with seven. And like I said, you can upgrade your skill tree uh, for like weapon durability and things like that. Yeah. So it can get better, but it kind of sucks if you have a good weapon. I know in Dead Island, uh, weapons broke pretty quickly. Yeah. Do you remember if in Dead, Dead Island they had the separate skill trees or if it was just one with one one set of experience? There were separate uh, skill trees. Okay. I don't know if there was different experience. I think that you can – there's three different skill trees, if I remember correctly, and you just upgraded with one set of experience. Gotcha. So you had to like – kind of like in Borderlands okay. where you had to like pick and choose what you wanted. Yeah. If I remember, I got it. It's been a while, as I said. I like how this is set up. Yeah, I do too. So yeah, that I mean that's kind of the basics. What 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 is everyone thought everyone's thoughts on the game? Corey, we'll, we'll start with you. What are you what are your thoughts on Dying Light so far? Uh I really liked it uh, for a couple of reasons we already talked about. Dan, you mentioned uh, you know, your combat, the combat being your favorite part of Dead Island. Um and it was mine too, and that's what I really enjoy about it. It's it's similar to uh Mordor. You know how Mordor is like an orc slaying playground. This to me is like a zombie slaying playground. Yeah. And it's whatever sort of fun situations you get yourself in um 
getting yourself out of them is is what makes the game so much fun in terms of all the different things you can do combat wise and leveling up through the skill tree to unlock new cool abilities to play with and and all that good stuff um so that that would be my favorite part although i will say i think one thing this game does extremely well and eric you talked a little bit about it last week but uh when you're on the run from the volatiles at night um because it's it's a typical zombie scenario you're running for your life um but with the parkour in this game it makes it so much fun and so stressful and if you press for me it's the y button while you're sprinting away if you press the y button it'll go in slow motion you can look behind you um and you can see the volatiles chasing you and eventually you can i don't know if you unlock it or if you can always do it um you can throw stuff at them or shine your uv light at them to slow them down and stuff um but just that yeah just that feeling of of being at night running from zombies like jumping from building to building just trying to stay alive and then that moment when you finally like leap over the barrier into a safe zone and you're finally safe or to your death (laughs) yeah or that too uh it's it's really rewarding okay so that was episode 185 dying light that we recorded on february 6th so that was uh kind of our first triple a release coverage of the year um yeah, it makes me want to go back and play that game. Although I'm probably going to have that with all these games. It's unfortunate that uh, we keep having to move on to the next thing. But moving on to the next thing. Our next game that we're going to be covering uh, for this episode is from episode 189. It's the game Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. And uh, I know me, Eric, and Corey at least played quite a bit of the actual game. And Will at least had played the demo, so he had he had some input on... Uh, on on some of the game so uh yeah it's a it's one of the better uh handheld games i guess that came out this year so i figured it would be important to put that in there um so yeah without further delay i guess episode 189 monster hunter 4 ultimate from march 5th let's talk about the weapons they're pretty cool. They are very cool. Uh, one of the things I wanted to say is, if you're new to this game, one of the the round one or level one of the of the the quests that you have are to go into arena and fight uh, like a dinosaur looking thing. Is it a jaggy that you're a great jaggy that you fight during that? Uh, and it, it gives you the mission for each weapon, so you can try all the different weapons. And I spent my first like three hours of the game playing that try to figure out which weapon I like best because they're all they all handle very different differently Erica you went with the long sword right long sword. bone sword long bow and sword bone sword bone sword okay yeah. so so that, I think that's the, the is that's not the sword and shield right that's no I the, think it's just a long sword okay long sword weapon what what weapon did you go with Corey I am using mostly the hammer but also the heavy bow gun okay did you did you test those out in the arena before you before you went out the... Um, not really. I kind of had in mind that I wanted to just be a big dude with a big hammer. Gotcha. Um, so I just chose that right off the bat. And I, yeah, I did use it at the arena. Um, but then I read, I was reading through one of the many guides that I'm reading to like, make sure I'm not wasting my time while I play this game. Um, and it suggested learning how to use more than one weapon. So mm-hmm. I went with the, the heavy bow gun, which is pretty cool. It's like, uh, almost like a big potato gun kind of thing. Nice. It's fun. Okay. I went with the, I think it's called the Warhorn. I'm not sure exactly what it's called. Battlehorn? Battlehorn. I think think that's what it is. Uh, And and just what what that is is uh, anytime you do an attack, it plays a note 
And then I, I think I talked about this last week. Hunting play, horn. Hunting horn. Yes, uh, it pl- it plays a note, uh, and <clears throat> depending on what order you do the notes in, you press the right bumper to to actually play the play the tune that you that you did, and, and that gives you different buffs. Uh, buffs your your little palico cat palico uh, companion, kitty friend, kitty friend, kitty yeah, friend. Uh, as well as your your people you're hunting with, so. Uh, I got that for when we finally get get into a group and hunt. I can I can give us buffs and stuff. You used that when we played, right? Yes. Okay. That was what I used. Uh, can you fight with it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. it, it, it's like a it's like a two a two handed weapon. I, I guess it would be like a two like a two handed hammer kind of. But I think it's a little bit faster and a little bit more flowy than the two handed hammer. Like I said, I tried five or six different weapons, and that was the one that I liked the best. It fit my my uh, playing style, I guess. Um, so that's the weapon I ended up picking. And the, what do you guys think of the combat? It's, it's fun. You know, I, I didn't spend any time on any different weapons. I just picked longsword and that's all I've used. Nice. Um, I do want to test the other ones out now that you're talking about it. I really should have. Yeah. I don't know. Cause the other ones look pretty cool. Like the hunting horn sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, dual blades sounds awesome. I pulled up a little menu here with the stuff. That's the one I used in Monster Hunter Three. Is was dual blades, just because, uh, like I said, the combat in it is is slow. It's 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 more like a Dark Souls type of combat than yeah. than like a, a, a Bayonetta or or Kingdoms of Amalur. I think I had just played Kingdoms of Amalur, and that's why I was like, I can't play this. It's mm. so slow. Yep. Um, but like I said, that. Dark Souls is 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 slower. I think this is even slower than Dark Souls, but. Um, I, I kind of got used to the. It's more about positioning and uh, aim and stuff than it is mashing buttons. You know, right, which is you which can't is really lock good. on. Yeah, exactly. You can't lock on. You can, tar- you know, kind of target big monsters with the the, the left bumper, um, but it, it only kind of just faces centers the, your camera. Yeah, on exactly. Much. It faces the the direction that the animal is is or the right. thing you're hunting is. So, the weapon that uh, I piqued my interest that I'll probably try is the gun lance. Mm-hmm. I thought about trying that for yeah. my secondary weapon. So I'll I'll probably give that a whirl next time I play the game. Yeah, but yeah, the the combat's great, like you said, Dan. It's it is slow paced. You got to time things correctly. Um, like with mine, the more hits that you string together, it builds up your attack for like special attacks mm-hmm. with the long sword. So mm-hmm. um, you got to be careful not to miss. Yeah, and it's difficult. Yeah, to not miss here and there. Yeah. Um, because part of it too is like getting the the timing down for the attacks that the monster has, and then being able to to string that together with your own attacks, and and sometimes there's other little mini monsters running around to hit you also. So you yeah. gotta, it's a pain in the ass, but it's uh, it's a good combat system, I think. Yes, it is. What about you, Corey? What do you, what do you think of the combat? Yeah, I like it. It's uh like you said, Dan, very similar to Dark Souls, where you're rather than watching uh, status bars and health you know an enemy's health bar which there isn't one you're relying on more visual cues and paying attention to the enemy animations and stuff to determine how you go about things which is um, which is important and i i guess i never i kind of noticed it in the background but i was reading up a little bit about it and that is a really cool like when the when the animal starts like limping and stuff or breathing heavy you know it's it's getting beat up See, I uh, haven't which, been playing with the sound on, so I didn't even know that they breathe heavy. Yeah, well, they also have like a little puff of smoke coming out. Too, okay, uh, which is really cool. Uh, like, like, like Corey said, rather than having a, a, a health bar for for the stuff you're fighting, it, it it tells you like this thing is. They're also trying to escape, which is which is kind of cool and and makes sense. Yeah, I I, I do like that. It, there's no health bar yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know. 
I guess uh, it would be a little more frustrating to know where you were at. If like if you died or something, and you yeah. had one more hit or something like that, that would be frustrating. Not just that, but it also you would realize how little damage you're doing. Yeah. with each hit because some would of them seem like a big hill to climb. Yeah, some of them take a lot of a lot of a lot of punishment. Some Good of stuff 15, 20 minutes. That, yeah, probably. 15 minutes of the, the demo was beating up on a monster. Yeah. It took a lot of hits. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, but just going back to the combat, Nian, uh, how, did you guys do a lot of group combat? Uh, Dan and I, specifically? Yeah. I mean, just in general. No, I only played with Dan yeah, the, the one once. afternoon for one quest. You too, Dan? Yeah. Really? That was it. That was all I did. Oh, okay. Um, cause I, I much more enjoyed, I played a lot today, um, just got in a really good group and we probably did like 10 quests, um, 10 monster slaying quests pretty quickly too. Cause there was one guy in the group who was like a hero or is that what it is? Is that what HR stands for as hero, um, rank? Hero I rank? There's know. so much know. in the game. I feel like I don't know. Yeah. I'm it's your online ranking and like mine was one and the guys that two of the guys I were with were two. And then one guy was like 114 or something like that. Wow. So, yeah. He was obviously decked out. So we'd run into his own, run up to the boss and within like 30 seconds it'd be down because of this one guy we were with, um, which was cool because we still got all the loot and everything in a very short amount of time. Um, but I was in some groups where, you know, we were all on the same page and everything, and uh, it's it's a lot more fun playing with other people because people can, while somebody's distracting the monster, another person can go up behind it and um, go up on a ledge and jump, jump onto on it and it. mount it and attack it that way and knock it over. And then I'd once it was stunned that way, I'd run up to it with my hammer, which is good at stunning the, the monster if you hit it in the face. So then I hit it in the face a bunch, and then it would stun it there, and then, you know, somebody else would jump in with something else. So you're you're all, you're all working together and... Uh, playing to each other's strengths and, and weaknesses. Like I was saying with my bow gun, that's something that you probably wouldn't want to use. Um, I mean, you could, and I did for a while, use fighting monsters by yourself, but in a group it works really well because everyone's distracting the monster and you can just stand back and pick different types of ammo and sling them at the monster while everyone else is, is hitting it. Yeah, that's something uh, I just figured out how to do is jump onto the monster. I and, still don't and, know. And stab him. Yeah, you just have to, you got to... Uh, sheath your weapon and then you okay. run up on a ledge and 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 run and jump off and then as you're like gonna land on the monster you press y whatever the top the x. top x x yeah i forget that the like Nintendo's if you're pulling backwards. your weapon out yeah okay yep and it doesn't pull your weapon out no no it, well, does. it does you attack yeah. i mean i think it depends on your weapon too i think there are weapons where you don't need to jump off a ledge to mount them mm. but i'm not sure Hmm. Again, our our rookiness is showing here, but yeah, <laughs> and that's that's another cool thing is when the monster runs from you, Dan. You mentioned that they, you know, when they're getting fatigued and you're wearing them down, they they try and flee. What they do is they go back to like a nesting. And state that was they, episode one eighty nine, Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, uh, the really good three DS exclusive, uh, really good game. Um, I missed that one. Wish I hadn't traded it in. It'll probably be a repurchase at some point. Maybe it'll go on sale in the 3DS eShop. That'd be great. I wish they had better sales because my 3DS has a huge card on it and only a couple games. That's just ones that you could just load up, you know, take it on the go. But, yeah, that was uh, probably the best handheld game that came out this year, at least in my opinion. That's a little bit of a spoiler for my Thummy Awards. 
but I'm still still working on them as we speak. We still have until next Saturday, January second, to to get them all get it get everything in and, and set and tabulated. So we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, the next game on the list is going to be the PS4 exclusive Bloodborne. This is going to be from episode 193, which we released on April 3rd, 2015. Um, yeah, again, it's uh, it's nice to go back and, and hear us talk about some of these games because I feel like in a lot of cases the earlier releases in the year don't necessarily get as fair a shake as some of the more recent games uh, there's a few really heavy hitters though. Um, Bloodborne being one of them, The Witcher Three, Wild Hunt being another one that, uh, despite the time since they've been released, still uh, maintain quite the following and and are are reaping the rewards at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah. Without further ado, I'm actually probably going to play a significant chunk of this episode just because it's one of the more important games that came out this year. So. Uh, here's episode 193, Bloodborne. Up a little bit in this one, uh, you harvest blood echoes instead of souls to level up and buy things in Bloodborne, uh, which you get from killing enemies just like souls. Uh, and then there's guns in this one, which is cool. Uh, but they're used more as a shield or a, like a stun weapon uh, as opposed to an offensive weapon. So like if someone's coming in to attack you, a well-timed gunshot will, will do a stun and allow you to get a f- few free shots on on the enemy that's attacking you, which is uh, extremely useful mm-hmm. and a very cool mechanic um, in in Bloodborne. Uh, so, Eric, let's hear yeah. your thoughts. Let's hear your thoughts on Bloodborne. Uh, first of all, how far did you get? Um, I don't know how many hours I played. I'd say close to ten. Okay. I beat the first two bosses. Um, did you start exploring that area after you beat the first two bosses a little bit? Because I, I also beat the first two bosses. You did. And then I started exploring. It's called Old Yarnum. Yes, I, I did. I started exploring that a little bit. I got to the guy who's shooting the Gatling yes. gun on top of the tower. Okay, so we're, we're about in the same spot. Okay, there. and he killed me Okay, when I got up there. And that's where I left off. Gotcha. Uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit further than that. I made it down a little bit. <coughs> did you kill I, him? I, no, I got pinned down by him, and then I got ganked by like three or four oh. guys all at once, and then I I couldn't play anymore. So <coughs> I'm about in the same spot as you. Okay, well so that's, that's good. good. Yeah, um, I was very frustrated at first with Bloodborne mm-hmm. because I felt like I was it was like unfairly hard at some some parts. Um, but the more I played it, the more I really started to like it. The part that really had me pissed off was that there's these two werewolves that are right before the first boss. That was the hardest part for me, yeah, too. Yeah, they were just <laughs> such on. a bastard. And uh, they just kicked my ass every time I went over there. And I would try to pull them apart from each other and lure them away from each other. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I actually saved a video clip the second time that I fought them. Uh, was a pretty sweet battle. I saved a video clip of it. I just got to remember to put it up. Um, I almost died like three or four times and managed to escape it and ended up killing both of them. But yeah, um, as far as like the setting and everything like that goes and the way the game looks, I don't think the graphics are spectacular. No, they're good, but they don't aren't usually in a dark souls game because yeah. they're so big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the setting is really cool. De- very detailed world. Yeah. Very like the, detailed the Victorian yep. or Gothic look to it, whatever. Um, and just the atmosphere that it creates with the music and all of that kind of thing, and the look of it, and your character being covered in blood. 
Like the I more really, characters you I kill. I really thought that was cool. I did uh, too. It was an underrated uh, visual of you know after you've killed like thirty or forty guys, it only makes sense that your character would be covered in blood. Yeah, and you just like that makes sense. It does. Know? Yeah, I mean, it 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 adds something to the game. Yeah, like even if it's a small something. Yeah, and you like your clothes would look wet from blood, and, yep. and they'd be dripping. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I did too. Um, so I was having a really hard time at the beginning. Um, not really with the the smaller enemies, yeah. like they're just your run of the mill guys that have uh, like a pitchfork or whatever. Um, I was getting through them pretty easily, and I thought that was probably because I had played Dark Souls before. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing I want to talk about a, a little bit later on is is whether or not this game uh, lends itself to having played Dark Souls before. Yeah. Um, so I was having a fairly easy time with that, and then I got to like some bigger ogre guys. And those two werewolves. Mm-hmm. And I was getting so mad and frustrated because, like, I just kept dying. And I didn't know how to level up. So I actually looked that up. Yeah, I, I, did, Googled, I did the same exact thing. Yeah, I Googled how to level up. And I Googled something. Oh, how to um, build up your weapons. Mm-hmm. How to increase your weapon power. So I, I did those couple of things there. And that helped yeah. quite a bit. You actually can't level up right away. Right. You've got to get to a certain point in the game before you can level up. Right. And I didn't know that. Because I, I spent quite a bit of time walking around in the, the hunter's area uh, where you kind of respawn and, yep. and and you that's where you upgrade all your stuff. I spent a lot of time walking around there. I'm like, where the hell oh, do I level hunter's up? Hunter's Dream. Hunter's Dream. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I uh, had no idea. But I ended up, same thing, yeah. Googling it, looking it up, and I was like, oh, I can't. Uh, but I could at that point level up my weapons, which helped a lot. Yes, yeah, it did. Uh, it's... Which weapon did you choose? I went with the axe and the pistol. Oh, good. I went with the saw cleaver okay. and the pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, the saw cleaver is fucking sweet. Yeah, and... I, I I watched a lot on Twitch and people using that. And, okay, you know, there's there's two there's two ways you can use the weapon too. Like it has a it's normal small thing, and then you can extend it right into a full like and that's two-handed every weapon. weapon. Yep, every weapon has Ooh. like a secondary option to it. Yep. So like R two and R one are your basic attacks with your with your short weapon. And then if you hit L1, it will extend out. So with mm-hmm. a saw cleaver, it's almost like a straight razor. It just, yep. like, kind of flips it out. Um, but the coolest part of that is you can do it, like, mid-battle. So if I hit L1 and then hit L1 again, it'll do, like, two small attacks. But if I hit – I'm sorry. If I hit R1, it'll do two small regular attacks. It'll just do a couple of short attacks. But if I hit R1 and then hit L1 mid mid-swing – it will open my saw cleaver and come back with the extended weapon and do more damage. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Oh, you didn't know you could do that? No. That's fantastic. Oh, man. I can't believe you didn't, like, even mistakenly do no, that No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, you can, like, incorporate, like, shortening and lengthening your weapon Yeah, during, during combat. I didn't know you could do that, like, in the middle of a swing and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. I spent most of my time with the weapon shortened. Okay. Uh, there was only, like, two situations where I extended the weapon into the full. I the started full out like that, but axe. I found the, the longer I played, um, the more I was using my weapon, like, extended yeah. full because... Um, Especially, I I found when when a lot of enemies were clumped together, it was easier to use that um, to to take them out all at once. Like especially the little guys that are crawling around in the sewer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. took those guys out a lot easier than just the short axe. And the, the gun is kind of useless against them because there's so many of them. The gun's pretty useless anyway For the most as part. a weapon. Yeah, as yeah. a weapon, it's useless. Um, but yeah, like like 
as you're saying, Dan, like uh, extending the weapon out is, is so helpful, especially against. I found it really helpful against the second boss. The second boss is what I did did that too for. Yeah, because also. the game lends itself to speed of play, uh, specifically with your dodging. Mm-hmm. Um, I was moving a lot. Yeah. Like the more I played the game, the more I realized that I needed to be dodging a lot against the harder enemies. Not so much against the smaller enemies when you're starting out in uh, Central Yarnum. Yeah. Or is that? That's what the first part Yarnum, is. Yep. Central, Central Yarnum. Yarnum. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the, the main like specific smaller enemies aren't bad and you don't really have to dodge too much. Um, but the bigger enemies like the uh, the bosses and the, the ogres that you come across in that area, uh, you definitely need to dodge a lot and stay away from them. Yeah. Or um, I I started getting really good with the with the gun with the timing of, of the stun. Okay, see I I just figured out it was hard for me to get through my head that I shouldn't be using that as a long range weapon. Yeah, and that I should be using it more as like a shield, like I would yeah. in Dark Souls, um, because there are there are shields in this game, but apparently they could put them in kind of jokingly. Yeah, I got one like towards the end, and I just sold it because I I had, yeah. I had liked my gun at that point. Yeah as a stun weapon. So, I mean, that was the main thing. And that's what I said to Dan when I dropped the game off. I said, if I give you one piece of advice, it's use your gun as a shield. Yep. Um, so time it like you would, if you had a shield in like dark souls, when they're about to hit you, shoot them and it will stun them yep. or knock them back. They give you, there's a little tone too. So you know yeah. that you actually stun them. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, to, you can wail away, at least get a few hits in before you need to jump back. And if you time it just right, like sometimes you'll like impale them. Yep. and do super mega damage, which is awesome. Yeah, um, especially when you do it to like an ogre, because uh-huh. they can fuck you up if they hit yep. you. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the combat I think is a little quicker, and it it pays off if you go in aggressively. Mm-hmm. I felt like, um, especially against the boss, especially the second boss. Yeah, you don't. When I say aggressively, I don't. I don't mean you should go in swinging at him. Yeah, but if you like aggressively dodge. And I found the best way to attack him is get behind him. Like it is in Dark Souls, but it's a different kind of get behind him. It's a yeah. faster get behind him and keep circling around him quickly yep. and then swing. Um, but, I, yeah, I just found that it, that it pays off to be a little more aggressive with your attacking. And I think that's what they, what people kind of meant, like that it's a quicker game yeah. or faster moving. Yeah, I think it's the, the pace that you attack with. Yeah. Yeah. See, I it felt very familiar to me because that's kind of how I went with my build in Dark Souls too. Not at all how I went. Yeah, I was. Uh, I ha- would have. I picked the swordsman, two handed weapon, uh, and and I would. That's what I would do. I would get in close, be really good with dodge, and try to hit him in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it felt very familiar, like right away, to how I had played Dark Souls too. Now I read that there's no bonus damage for doing like a backstab. I I don't think I did one. So you, there are not. there. I read a good article, and I can't remember what it was. I actually saved it because there are three moves that you can do. You have to time them perfectly to do them, and backstab is one of them. Okay, that does like mega damage. Nice, uh, but you have to do them perfectly and time say. it just right. Yeah, I never, never, never was able to do that. But like in Dark Souls, if you remember, like you could get around a guy, and if you hit him in the back, it does more damage than it would if you hit him in the front. Yeah, I don't know if it does that in Bloodborne. Okay, like just just a normal a back normal, attack. Yeah, normal hit in the back. Um, yeah, but, uh, the combat is great. It's, uh, they just do such a good job with that stuff. Yeah. And when you die for the most part, and the reason I was getting frustrated at the beginning, like I said, was because I felt like that those werewolves especially were unfair. Yeah. 
Um, as for 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 starting off the game too, like yeah. your equipment sucks, your character sucks, you probably suck. Yeah, I think we had a little bit of an advantage being being Dark Souls players. Yes, um, that's that's definitely an advantage. But still, like they I, they're definitely overpowered. And I ended up after I tried fighting them two or three times, and they just ended up like running past them. Yeah, I never. I never fought him until I leveled up a few times and right. was powerful enough to kill him in like two hits. I mean, because you, at first you can't get to the area where you need to get to to be able to level up. Yep. Unless you fight them. Yep. Um. So it's kind of a bitch. But after you unlock like shortcuts and things like that, you can get there a little easier. Um. But yeah, the the werewolves specifically were frustrating me because I didn't feel like it was me sucking at the game. Which in the past with like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, like if I died, I knew yeah. it was my fault yep. for like rushing or just playing stupid. But with the werewolves, I was like, "How the fuck am I supposed to beat this?" Yeah. Um, I read in a few a uh, few different reviews. I think two different reviews said this exact same thing, and that's that the first area is really meant to like break you as a player, and once you get past that, and you know, then you start, then you like learn the game because a lot a lot of the game is not just your character progression, mm-hmm. but your progression as a player. Oh yeah, yeah which yeah, is yeah. What, one of the cool things about the the Souls games. Yeah, um, and and it's meant to like break you down. That's uh, one of the cool things about that whole series is that it's. It's its own thing. Like, it's kind of like a teaching tool of its yeah. own device. Yeah, exactly. You know, and just it learning how to, how to play, play its game, it's different from anything else. Yeah. So, like, you literally have to learn how they want you to play and just getting better at it. And I I liked it at first. Uh-huh. I don't want to sound like I didn't like it. But I, I don't even say I was disappointed. But I wasn't like, ah, oh, this, is, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. At first, I was like, this is a good game. You know, whatever. But, like, the more I played it and the feeling when I finally beat those fucking werewolves the first time and then I got to the first boss and beat the first boss, yeah. I was like, oh, this is why I fucking love these games. Yep. Because when you finally beat those char- the, the enemies that have, have beaten you into the ground so many times and then you finally beat them, it's such a good feeling. It's, it's literally, I don't get that feeling from any other game. Yeah. I really don't. Maybe Hotline Miami. Uh-huh. Maybe because that's a hard game beat a level. but it's different. Like yeah. I don't know, Dark Souls two. I it's I could physically like scream like fuck yeah at the TV if my fiance wasn't home. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you just get so excited and it's just so rewarding. And I remember Corey talking about that with the first Dark Souls when that came out because like, none of us had played Demon Souls. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And then Corey played Dark Souls and kind of got us interested in it. And I remember him talking about just how, how much of a rewarding feeling it was to beat the bosses. And I, that that's one of the biggest draws still to these games. And uh, they just do such a good job of drawing you in with that. And, yeah. and when you combine learning the combat systems and, and trying to perfect them um, with all the different weapons that you can get. And, and combine that with the feeling that you get when you beat a boss or a hard enemy. And then combine that with the atmosphere and the world that you're exploring and knowing that there's all these secrets. You don't know really what the story is, but you want to know what it is. And there's so many places to go explore and find all these hidden treasures. That, it's just perfect. Yeah. It really is. I I think, honestly, these games are perfect for me. They're just... I don't really think I could ask for anything else. Yeah, I I played uh, a little bit yesterday afternoon, and then I played like last night after my kids went to bed, and then this morning I got woken up a little bit early by my daughter at like five thirty. I was laying in bed. I'm like, 
I want to play Bloodborne. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't fall back asleep. I just wanted to play Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is one of those kind of games where like when you're not <sighs> when you're not home playing it, you th- you're thinking about it. Yeah. Like right I've told you guys this, but right now like for me, this is one of the best times of gaming that I've ever had recently mm. because of Heroes of the Storm, like playing with you guys and and Bloodborne. Like I I literally don't need any other games right now. And I'm trying to be smart about what I buy right now because I want to buy stuff. Like Axiom Verge came out, I want to buy it, but I just don't need it. Yeah, you're not going to play it. I'm not going to play it. I don't have time. Like I have two heroes I don't want to say is in-depth, but like you can just keep playing it and playing it. And Bloodborne is in-depth, and and it's a a commitment to time. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just have these two fucking games that I just love yeah. and just want to keep playing. Yep. And they're so different, which I think is good. But uh, I should say I absolutely loved it, too. Yeah. Very I, addicting. The more I, I played I, it. Yeah, exactly. The more you play it, like, even the more you explore, like, you're yeah. like, oh, I just want to see what's next. Or I want to see what enemies are around the next corner. When I first went into the old Yarnum and walked around there a wagon and this guy with a creepy white mask jumped yeah. out at me, scared the shit out of me. I'm yeah. like, that was fantastic. And we didn't even talk about, um, and people that have played Dark Souls in the past know about the notes that people can leave. See, I didn't get to do any of that. Will's Will didn't have his uh, PlayStation account active. Oh, that just adds so much to (laughs) it. Yeah, I didn't have any online stuff. And I'm glad I remembered this because the note kind of fucked me over once. But um, that specific part you're talking about, I know exactly where it is. And the guy has that face. Yeah. Like a porcelain doll kind of. Yep. And there's another character in the game... I don't want to spoil anything, but there's another character in the game that has kind of that same face um, in a different area, and somebody left a note saying something about that, and it really got me thinking, like, what the fuck is going on here? Because I didn't know if maybe they knew something that I didn't know, and that's why those notes are so cool. See, I didn't even think about that. That's the fourth thing. You got the, the progression of yourself as a player, you got the bosses and the feeling you get, the atmosphere in the world and searching it and the multiplayer aspect of it, whether it be the notes that people leave or like playing with people co-op. Yeah. Sucking uh, people into your world. Right. Like, sucking people into your world or going into their you. worlds. And we, I haven't played in the chalice dungeons and I'm sure you didn't. No, no. Um, so that's going to be something that we experience later on. But yeah, that note really got me thinking. So another note that fucked me over you know the part in the first area, you go into a house and there's an old man sitting in a wheelchair? Yeah. Okay. So past him in the right corner, there's like a little spot in there between two bookcases uh-huh. and somebody left a note in there. So I was like, shit, I wonder if there's like a hidden pathway. So I go over there and I start hitting the walls and I can't remember what the note said, but I read it, I started hitting the walls and I'm like, eh, there's nothing here. So I turn around, walk out, couldn't move, couldn't move, got stuck in there and the <laughs> fucker left the note in there. To screw with people. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so I looked it up. I Googled it. I was like, what do I do? And somebody said, yeah, some guy left a note in this corner, and now I'm fucking stuck here. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up having to use one of the items that oh, uh, yeah. you spend your souls and you get reborn or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I had to use that, um, which sucked, and I was yeah. pissed. Yeah, especially if you had a big bank of souls going, you know. I didn't, thank or- God. Blood Echoes. Because I had just leveled up. Nice. But I wanted to fight that guy. Oh, yeah. And still want to. Yeah. So if he happens to listen, I want to challenge him to a fight. This fight. So I put my own note there. It said, like, reeks of corruption or something like that. Uh I don't know. 
So, but that's another way, like, these notes are just so crazy, and I love reading what everybody has to say and, like, rating it if it's a good note, you know what I mean? And I get so excited when somebody rates my note as a good note. Yeah. But like you were saying about the expiration, Dan, I remember one part, I was in the sewers, and I got to the end of the sewers, and I saw this area down below, and I was, like, toying with myself whether I could jump down there or not. I decided not to, but there was an item laying there surrounded by all these dead bodies so finally after like a while i finally found my way down there and uh got the item and it wasn't even a good item but it's just that feeling of like man that that could be that could be be my shit down there that could be something awesome that could be a new set of armor or a weapon that's what that game does to you yeah and it's so awesome all right once again that was episode 193 of bloodborne um I don't know if I mentioned... I didn't listen to this whole segment, so I don't know if I mentioned that uh, Will was kind enough to let me borrow his PS4 to play Bloodborne on, and Eric let me borrow his copy of Bloodborne. And I was able to put six six or eight hours into into Bloodborne uh, for this for this week's episode specifically. It was really nice that they, that they let me do that. Uh, you may have noticed Corey didn't really say anything during this episode, or maybe not at all. He didn't get a chance to play Bloodborne until the summer when he borrowed Will's copy of Bloodborne on Will's PS4. I think he had it for maybe two weeks so he could play through Bloodborne. Maybe it was even three weeks. So, uh, yeah, he ended up playing it later and not not during during this, this week's episode. Uh, next up on the list is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which was episode... 201 and we released it on may 28th 2015 um no doubt you've heard uh, all the accolades that the witcher 3 is getting uh, i know we all really liked it some more than others i think Corey was probably the most negative on it um but it'll be interesting uh to talk about all this stuff again come our thummies episode um we haven't talked about the witcher in a while i don't think because it hasn't hasn't been floating around much in a while uh, other than the the awards it's winning at this point, so uh, without me blabbing anymore, here is the Witcher Three Wild Hunt, episode two hundred one. Mid smaller to mid sized towns in there. It's it's enormous. Oh yeah, the the map and and you know usually that type of game like 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 we talked about is 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 meaningless with the the side stuff that you do, but. Um, like I said, this this game it should be the gold standard for for open world games from now on because yeah. you know you talk about a Skyrim game, all the side stuff like really the fun of that game was exploration like yeah. the side quests were everything was was more or less meaningless but in this game like it all comes together yeah nice, you, you want you want to do all of the side quests because yeah. they're all so cool and the stories are so neat and yeah the characters are neat and different um yeah. did you meet the Peller I met the Peller yeah what a cool character yeah exactly yeah. You know, there's ton. It's filled with cool characters. I know that whole that the whole game is filled it's with cool characters. This fucking weird, like, witch doctor dude with chicken feet around his neck, and yep. he's just got a lot of personality. His best him. friend is a goat. Yeah, <laughs> a name princess. Like that. Name princess. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's just so cool to to find that people. Familiar. Like that. What? That what you just described? The guy with his friends, or yeah, his best friend is a goat named Princess. It might be a reference to something. Returning they, they, character, maybe. Uh, I mean, he wasn't in The Witcher Two. I don't remember The Witcher Three. Uh, Witcher One. Witcher One. Yeah. Witcher maybe 1. not then. I don't know. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. 
I guess that that would be my okay initial thought. Corey, what are your thoughts? How, how many hours are um, you? we should say how many hours we are? Right? Twenty one and a half. Okay, I'm about twenty four. I think what level? Eleven. I am just over eleven. I hit okay. eleven right before we, I came over. Okay. Me and you are kind of in the same spot. I think yeah. I'm a little bit behind you story wise. Main story, I think I'm a little further than you. Yeah. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time. <laughs> Trying not to do side stuff, but doing yeah. side stuff. See, I've done a nice mix of both. Um, I did everything in White Orchard, mm-hmm. and then I, w- I think I did everything. I went to all the question marks, at least. Yeah. Um, and then I went on to Velen and got wrapped up in, in the Bloody Baron quest, and I haven't gone to any question marks out of my way. Okay. If I've come across them, I'll go to them, mm-hmm. but I'm trying not to get too sidetracked with that. Um, yeah. Because I do, I want to knock out the uh, the side quests while I'm at an appropriate level, so right. I'm not too overpowered for them, you know. So it's still fun and, and challenging and battles right. and stuff like that. And at the same time, doing the Witcher contracts to to right. hunt monsters. So I'm trying not to stray too far from the quests that are actually in my quest yeah, log. Yeah, you don't want to over level yourself right. and have an easy time. Exactly. Okay, Corey, how how far along are you? Uh, just uh, six six and a half hours, maybe. Okay. Uh, I have a couple questions though. Do do does the main quest line scale with your level? I don't know. I don't it, think so. It, it doesn't have a level thing next to it. Like it does. Oh, does it? See, yeah, main quest. Well, not the very main quest, right? Because because it kind of branches off into places, and those have levels. Yeah, like the one the... I'm doing right now is a level ten. Okay. And then there's there's the main quest, main main quest that doesn't have a level. Right. There's a part of that that's below it that's level ten, and then another branch off of that that's level sixteen. Okay. So mm. kind of has levels, but also kind of not really. So I would say that's a, that's that's levels, you know. Okay. Because I was reading earlier, Eric, that it's uh, one of the tips was don't ignore quests or save them for later, because yeah. by doing the main story, it can cancel them out but I, I, that's why i asked if the, the main quest line had a you know what attached to it it's funny you say that because my side quests seemed to get a lot smaller after i leveled up a couple times and i was wondering if it if it canceled them out so yeah, that's I, probably I think what happened. it may have done so i had heard people that have played more of the game too saying that a lot of the stuff you do in the game if you come back later you'll see the effects of your decisions on the populace oh really yeah so that'll be interesting to see how that yeah, happens but go ahead, Corey. My, my initial thoughts, thoughts and, and again, I've only played the six hours, just pretty much gotten out of the prologue area. I think I did maybe about one hour uh, outside of the prologue area towards uh, Vizima. Yeah, did you like... After the Vizima stuff. The the Vizima stuff, once... The game for me up to that point was just, like, a really good game. It yeah. didn't really go to that next level yet, but, you know, from what you guys say and from what everything else I've heard says, it's, like, it gets even better. Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, oh, yeah. At that in that little prologue area, it's just I sort of got glimpses of the Witcher game that I love, and it didn't really come together as that type of game that I really loved. It felt more like your Dragon Age or you know your Skyrim, where just this kind of there were some really interesting quests, like the Devil in the Well quest. I yeah. had a good time with that was a cool one. Uh, the one where you have to help the guy find his brother, soldier. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he's in the shed with that other dude. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yep. That was really cool. Um, and we, I guess we're going to talk about our choices for that at the end of this episode, and I'm interested to hear how that turned out for you guys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just it, – it didn't really feel like the Witcher game that we described, Dan, in our series recap. You know, right. it, it felt a little bit 
like it was missing some of that soul. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's one instance that really got to me, and I don't know if this is just a sign of the times or whatever, but when you're leaving, that's kind of spoilery. I guess I'll talk about it later, but uh, Geralt reacts in a way to one of the characters that I was like, this isn't the Geralt that I know and love. Uh, And I'll talk about it later, but he, he, he reacts in a way that like, I, I never pictured Geralt would react. He was too quick to help somebody. And I never really, I never really took him as that. I always thought of him as this, like, uh, what's the word? Reluctant angel, you know? Right. He would help people if he, you know, really could, if he really wanted to. But, you know, there's always the expectation of a reward kind of thing. I don't know. But he was just very quick to be, like, helpful. And I don't know. It kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah. I can describe it better later on. I think I know um, what you're talking about. I don't. I have the worst fucking memory of all time. <laughs> and it, it was just a little teeny tiny thing, but and it, and it wasn't even what he said and what he did. It was the way they made him look when he did it, mm-hmm. like super concerned. And I was like, that's not the Geralt I know. Right. Um, but, you know, eh, game has to evolve a little bit. And, and speaking of that, uh, I spent a little time on the forums this afternoon. And in, in the way people talk about the game it sort of made me realize how few people actually played the first couple games and how, like, this is the first Witcher experience? Yeah, the first Witcher. It's basically, you know, the world's Witcher Fallout 3 for the world, you know, the Witcher that everybody will will have played and will talk about and stuff. Um, And that's just interesting to me because those are two games that I really loved and and compare this one to it. And you don't see too many of those comparisons in these forums. They're just talking about this game as if it were a standalone game. And people would complain about things. And I'm like, well, well, no, that's that's how that's what The Witcher is, you know. Um, But not everybody sees it that way. So maybe my expectations are really, really high. Um, But, you know, it sounds like they're going to be met eventually. And I'm not saying I disliked it. I just... It wasn't. I'm I'm kind of with you, Corey. No, I agree. Honestly, too. the White Orchard area I thought was was it was good, not great. Um, but as soon as you start getting into the to the meat of the story after you get out of White Orchard, and Velen I thought was awesome. Oh, fucking amazing. Um, I, I mean, like really, you're walking on your horse into the town, and there's people swinging from a tree. Like that really set the tone right away. And I didn't really mm. get that as much in White Orchard. I know there was a little bit about a, a little bit of that, but. Uh, yeah, re- once you get into the, the storylines in, in Velen, it, it it sucks you right in, right by the balls. Yeah, so. and and that's, you know, what I'm expecting. So yeah. I don't think I'll be be let down from that point. But it, And that kind of sucks because that's my only experience with the game so far, and this is our episode on it. I know we'll talk about it a lot in the coming weeks. But... Oh, yeah. We should do – we'll do a Revisited yeah. later on. Yeah. Not we like there's anything else coming out. I was going to say, yeah, th- <laughs> I'm, I'm glad nothing else is coming yeah. out this summer because it may take me all summer to beat this oh, game. absolutely. So I fully intend on putting, I don't know if 200 hours is going to do it, but I'm going to I'm gonna play it like I would play an RPG back in the day, you know. I'm right. Gonna do the vast majority of the side stuff and exploring if I can. Is there, speaking of exploration, are there things to discover beyond what's shown in the points of interest? I don't know yet. I don't know Because that's another thing that kind of bothered me. Yeah. You don't like that it shows you all the discoverable stuff? No, because part of what I loved in the, the pre- previous games is you're rewarded just by going out and exploring, not like yeah. picking a waypoint and going to it. Yeah. And that sort of took a little bit away away from me. And I don't know if that's something they'll change. It sounds like they, they don't. Maybe you can find, like, 
treasure. I don't know. I guess monsters would be the only thing to discover, right? Yeah. Beyond what's shown in the points of interest. You know who else said that? Uh, Eric Kane uh, from Forbes Games said kind of the same same type of things. Speaking my language. I mean, I disagreed with him on that point, but he he yeah. he, he 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 liked The Witcher two so far more than The Witcher three. Um, and he, he that was one of the points that he made. He said he thought that The Witcher two felt more purposeful with the with the the areas created. It was you know. Everything was was had a purpose in in the game world, um, ah. which I thought was an interesting point. I mean, I don't think you could do that necessarily in an open world game, with with a landmass as big as The Witcher Three. But I saw his point anyway. Yeah, definitely, and I think you're right too. You know, it'd be something that would be very hard to do in an open world game, and I'd be very impressed if they could pull that off, especially in an open world game as big as The Witcher Three. It's freaking enormous, freaking enormous. <laughs> no kidding. So. <laughs> White Orchard could be its own little game. Yeah, you're just fucking getting into it, too. Yeah, just scratching, scratching the it's, surface. It's funny, because I was listening to another podcast talking about it, and they were saying how once you get into the second area, like your screen is just full of question marks. Yeah. And I didn't really see that until I got into a couple other little villages and started Looking taking around things the off the notice board, notice boards and stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was just packed. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, like, I see why there's 200 hours in this game. Yeah. Oh yeah, easily. But uh, just continuing on, enough a few things that kind of bothered me about the game are are the quests themselves. Yes, they sort of maintained their their spirit. Um, and like we were talking, Dan, about the humanity, they they that's still there. But uh, I felt like in the other one, and granted, you know, my six hour disclaimer, um, in the other one, it there was a little bit more discovery on your own. Um, like in this one, you're constantly using the Witcher sense to find things and, and gathering all your clues. And then at the end of it, making decision, um, where in the other one, like there could be a clue here or a clear clue there that never called attention to itself. You'd read it on your own. It may or may not open up a dialogue option when you're making your quest decisions or whatever. But if you took the time to, to do that little dirty work on your own and, and find a hint uh, about something, then you would be rewarded by by seeing that dialogue option yeah. and picking up on it and and choosing it. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't see any of that in this yet. Right. Um. Every everything sort of, you know, if you're doing the quest, um, and you're you're taking the time to find the whatever with your Witcher sense, um, you're gonna find everything. Yeah. I and I I sorry, agree with you, Corey. I don't love the Witcher sense thing either, but at the same time, with as much shit as there is to do in that game. And as much time as it's going to take me, I do kind of appreciate them being like, hey, you might want to go this way so you're not spending another 45 fucking minutes. Oh, sure. And I, I definitely think they should do that for, for quests. It's just yeah. the, the extra stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of a quest I did. Like maybe like in the devil in the well thing. Like, well, that would get into spoilers. But maybe there's a, something that you would you could discover about that and, and that whole situation that wasn't apparent through the Witcher sense and you just kind of found it on your own somehow, mm -hmm. um, and you could apply that knowledge to the quest. Sure. That's what the, the first two games did. Just for them and, to be a little more selective of where they use the Witcher sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, it, yes, definitely. It can guide you through the main part of it, and, you know, if you're just somebody who beelines through quests or whatever, you can do that with your Witcher sense or whatever, but uh, for those that like to investigate a little bit more on their own and not be guided through the quest... Um, like me, and which is one of the things I loved about the first two games, you know, it'd be just nice to have a few more of those 
hidden sure. things. Um, those are like my two biggest thing, my two biggest problems with the game right now. Um, I do like, I guess, I don't want to get too far ahead of you, Dan. No, go ahead. Um, a couple things I really liked was how they auto select between the steel and silver sword. Yeah, yeah. depending on who you're that fighting. That was a pain from the second game. Oh, I and can't I can imagine having remember. to do that. Yeah. In the second game, I could never remember which, which was which. Hotkey was which sword, so yeah. I'd like pull out the wrong one throughout the entire game. Yeah, Ugh. just a little thing, but it re- it's and really. And you hit the enemy a few times, not do any damage to it, <laughs> and then you'd yeah. have to jump. You'd have to jump back and change your swords. It was a pain. Yeah, a little, little bit of trial and error. And, and if I know the controls, it probably wasn't super responsive to put your sword away and pull the other one out. Uh, no sir. No. Yeah. I mean, I played on been... controller. It it's might okay. have been better. It might have been quicker in two, but the controls weren't great. I mean, both of them are PC games, and and two was just ported. Yeah, yeah. So, same situation, really. Yeah. Uh, the bestiary, I like that. Oh, it's yeah. great! It's super helpful. Nice There's actually we got cause... some feedback about that. Oh, okay, we won't talk about it too much. But you know, if you're going up a monster, going up against a monster, you can just pop open your bestiary and and see what'll help you. Yeah, see what'll help Find you do his it. Find weaknesses. Yeah, because for the for Witcher two, like I was at that, you know, at the by the time the end of the game came along, I was crushing everything pretty easily. So I, I got out of the habit of looking for the enemy weaknesses, and then transitioning into the Witcher three, like there's a couple times I got my butt whipped. I would go back at it, and I'd be like, "Duh, just need to go on the bestiary, see what it's weak against, <laughs> and, and take care of business." Yep, and it's it's the- good to. It, it makes it more useful for you to go around and look for books and things of that nature, like mm-hmm. sitting on shelves, because you'll find stuff that will add to your bestiary. Yep. So I just found a book about vampires in the, the city that I'm at, added uh, a Master Vampires or something like that to my bestiary, so I know that when I come across one, I can just switch over and see what I need to beat it. Yep. So it's it, it makes all that useful, too. Yeah. There's a lot of Otherwise, quests and stuff you can get, too, from, from books that you find and yeah. treasure maps. Ahead, Otherwise, I think Eric, you have to you have to kill the monster to get a bestiary. You do right? not just fight it; you have to beat it. Yeah, yep. Which could be frustrating if it's your first time and you don't know how. Yeah, the uh, the witch hag, or I'm sorry, water hag, for instance, was a, was a bastard for me. So, mm-hmm. and you know, when I finally got it in my my bestiary, then I could go and see. Oh, next time I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> She's the one that throws mud at you, right? Yeah, yeah that kind of blinds you and. And uh, freezes and, you for like three seconds or something. And she has like that. a little teleport, so she'll blind you and then pop up behind you and smack you around a little bit. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're almost dead. Yep. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Remember how we talked about the the golem and how much trouble I had with it? Mm-hmm. Well, part of that was I had used up all my healing supplies. So at that uh, point, I had no way to heal myself. Okay. Well, I didn't realize the swallow potion. That's all I've been using for yeah, healing. I. I didn't even know that existed. So okay. I'm like, I'm like racking my brain. I'm like looking through my all my recipes and my inventory. I'm like, how can I heal myself during this fight? Because I'm not going to beat him without getting hit. If I'm being Finally. honest, Dan, I only came across that out of my own stupidity, mm-hmm. or I, I guess a lock is, is a better way to put it. Because I finally ran out of like water and bread yep. and whatever else I was using to heal myself. And I just was looking through, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try all these potions and just see what they do. So I equipped that one, and I used it. I was like, oh, shit, here's my healing potion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that's why I had such a hard time with the golem. I tried them like three or four times yeah. without that, just not being able to heal. Okay. Uh, and then I, I was like, like the Duh. golem was easy. 
Uh, see, I kept getting hit by his charging attack, and I just couldn't couldn't get out of the way. I kept using the Yerden trap thing, which would slow him down considerably. But like, he kept getting messed up by the by Kira. Yeah, that's what I did. She kept I used him her off. a lot, so I would stay back. Okay, and let her do her work. And then when he like started go to going towards her, hit I'd just go up and hit him gotcha. a couple times and back off. Oh, see, I'm too aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't doing that. I force. stopped hit being. Him. Too aggressive after the drowners you killed can't. me a few you times. You got to be careful. Yeah, you really do. Especially because I, I, you know, I don't have as much experience with the game yeah. as you guys do. So I, you know, I had to get used to the combat. Yeah, yeah. You definitely you got to pace yourself and, and yeah. set, set up your defenses. And, and I did that in the second game. I just and speaking of the potions the and things that we really like, um, the way that it auto fills your potions. And you don't have to keep making them, and the, and the alchemy set mm-hmm. is genius because yeah. that would be such a pain in the balls. Yeah. So like, if I have my three swallow potions and I use two of them in a fight, instead of having to go back in and create two more to fill up my slot and the alchemy set, you can just meditate for an hour, and as long as you have alcohol, which uh-huh. it's pretty plentiful in, yeah. the, in the area, you loot it from yeah, a lot of things all over the place. Um, as long as you have alcohol, it will replenish. All of your potions mm-hmm. and bombs and bombs and anything like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know how it prioritizes though? Like, if you only have enough alcohol to make a few potions and bombs, like how no. does it pick which ones it makes for? Maybe ones you have equipped that they would think are more important. See, I was under the impression that maybe if you had one alcohol, it replenished everything. Mm. Oh, it could be. It could be. I didn't think about that. I didn't because that, that way it, never... it takes out the need to, you know, have a prioritization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, that could definitely be. But I think that, that's a great thing that they did. Yeah. You know, you yeah, the alchemy system it. as a whole is, is really cleaned up. And once again, that was episode 201 of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, i got to get to the DLC in that game. Uh, I think the, the first DLC pack is out, but that's one of the few games that came out this year that I'm actually going to buy the DLC for and play through. It's supposed to be really big and, and really well done, so... Uh, I absolutely love that game, and man, can't wait to play it again. Again, listen, listen back all these episodes. I wanna wish I had more time, unfortunately. Uh, for the last one, uh, I decided not to go into September. That really wasn't that long ago; just a few months. So for our last game, fan favorite, Heroes of the Storm. Uh, Jake, I'm specifically going to apologize to you because I know you hate when we talk about Heroes of the Storm, but. It's a really important release from this year. Uh, I know we all played it a lot. Will still plays it. Uh, Eric played a ton earlier in the year and over the summer. Corey played quite a bit earlier in the year uh, and into the summer. And even I played quite a bit early in the year. For like a month or maybe two months, I played a lot of Heroes of the Storm. So, um, yeah, we've got to cover it. Um, so, yeah, this is the actually, actually the very next episode after the Wild Hunts episode is uh, episode 202 Heroes of the Storm. Um, I can see that. I started when I cuz I played Raynor a little bit. I think I got him to level like maybe 7. Uh I started using it for siege damage on on buildings and walls yeah. and stuff and it worked really well for that, but It's a it's a I, multi-purpose. I, I, I always felt like I was useless in a team fight. I would cuz he's squishy, I would get killed like so fast. I he's, yeah, Raynor sucks. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Raynor uh, cuz he's the tutorial guy and yeah. I just, I was not fond of him. He's one of the only heroes I don't really like I that much. I prefer Tychus. Okay. If I'm going to play a StarCraft assassin. Yeah. yeah. But there's not much to say about Tychus. Anybody yeah. else worth noting there? Is Abith- Abathur? 
Abathur and Sergeant Hammer and well, Zagara, Abathur and Sergeant Hammer are all specialists. Zagara is really good at doing damage. I've never used Zagara. She's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't play her a lot. She can leave creep tumors, which help uh, when you can. You like you know with the Zerg, like the purple ground yeah. they make and they corrupt the land. Okay. When you spawn your guys as Zagara, like the the Zerglings and stuff like that, they get a boost and stuff like that. And then you have vision in that area. So oh, that, is that? So I was wondering what that did. So that's like you see that air like oh, around there. Man. So it's pretty like when you're Zagara, like you have to do that and stuff like that. Nice. Sergeant Hammer is really good at dealing damage and sieging. Uh, she's another really popular hero. I actually, uh, after I got the hang of Hammer, I hated her at first. I did too. After I got the hang of her, I really liked her. Mm-hmm. I I like playing the siege characters. They're it's, fun. It's fun. You definitely you have a defined role, yeah. you know, and if if you can accomplish what you're supposed to, it's very helpful. I, mm. I, I've I've was a fan if I had Sergeant Hammer on my team and they were they were good at what they were doing because, you know, you'd you'd be not paying attention and then you'd look and the entire the the other side's defenses were all wiped out. Yep, you're like I, you know none of us. Uh, the other characters knew that was going on, but Sergeant Hammer was just just continuing chipping away, going. chipping away at the other team's defenses, and they were gone. Just don't first pick her in Hero League, or you'll get yelled at. Well, yeah, Hammer. Yeah, yeah. wasn't it you, Corey, that played, and somebody first picked Sergeant Hammer, and then somebody said "Good game" when it started. <sighs> yep, <sighs> nothing pisses me off more than that. In the draft, in the fucking draft, <laughs> game. Good for anyway, that. Anyway, we can get to saltiness in a bit. Abathur, yeah. not even going to begin to explain because Abathur does so much stuff going on. It's probably the most unique hero I've seen out of like all of the games. I haven't tried Abathur either. I don't plan That's on another it. point I wanted to bring up, though, while we're on the subject of Abathur. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I really like about the game that you don't... I, don't, I mean, I haven't really played the other ones, uh, the other MOBAs to an extent where I'd know, but... The way like they implement those sort of novelty characters like Abathur and uh, Murky, <laughs> um, and al- also Tito mentioned it earlier in the chat, but the ability to play as the objectives, like when you get the Garden Terror um, and the Dragon, like mm-hmm. you can play as that. And I don't know the the way they kind of seamlessly integrate that stuff, as crazy and weird as it is, makes it a lot of fun and kind of changes the the whole gameplay a little yeah. bit. And it just it works like it doesn't you know it doesn't feel like out of place yeah. overpowered. It gives your team enough of a boost that if you're down and you focus on an objective, you can turn the match around. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then another like sort of novelty character, for lack of a better word, is the Lost Vikings. Yeah. The way they split up and can go in separate lanes. Like, oh man, all that stuff is done really well. And and there's such a huge opportunity OP. to screw that up and either make it overpowered or worthless. Uh, but I think they they integrate it pretty well, and it makes for a lot more interesting things to happen. The thing is, is when you have somebody on your team or the other team that knows how to use Abathur or Lost Vikings, you're either fucked or you're in good shape. Because I got lucky enough, one day I just got on by myself, and I I got in a group with somebody who was looking for a group, and he was playing as Abathur. And uh, he was a nice guy before the match, and he's like, we get into the match, and he's like, Everybody, when I ping something, just go to it. It's going to help us win. And everybody did it, and he was so good at playing Abathur. Like, uh-huh. next thing you knew, he had sieged the walls almost completely. I have no idea what he was doing. I played Abathur, <laughs> and I have no idea how he sieged either, because I don't know. Apparently there's a siege build, and, like, he had opened up two of the lanes. And I was just like, what the fuck? How did he even do this? Because he's controlling the hat on your head. 
Yeah. The... I don't know. I yeah. don't know what he did, but it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it was fun. It's so fun playing with this guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you find people like that to play with, it's it's a blast mm-hmm. because it just helps your team so much. Yeah. And I like finding somebody who likes to be the leader. I'll do it, but I, I'd rather not. I'd rather have somebody else be like, all right, this is what we should do and not be a dick about it. Yeah. Just be like, let's just do this and we'll win. Yeah. And, if everybody does it, you probably will. Yeah. Um, so that's I wonder, fun. I wonder if there's a way in matchmaking they could have people who designate themselves as, like, a hero a and, and, and match that match up with players that, like me, I wouldn't want to be designated as a leader because I, I don't know – like, I don't know the game well enough to be yeah. able to pick, okay, this is what we're going to do now. That is I'd a rather good just follow idea. directions. Like a checkbox that yeah. says, I like to be the leader. Yeah. So, something along those lines. Yeah. That's a good idea. Because I'm sure there's plenty of people like us that would rather not. Not, yeah. I hate know? doing it. I don't. I mean, I'll put pings out there, and th- you know what we should do. But I, you know, I'd, I'd rather. I don't like feeling like I fucked up the team. Yeah, fucked exactly. everybody over. Exactly. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, it is just a game, I guess. But still. All right, let's keep going. Uh, last but not least, Warcraft. Nothing to say about StarCraft, right? Last but not least. In the biggest section. Yeah, by far. All right, I hope you're all sitting for this. It's going to be a while. <laughs> uh, a new Barak, Arthas, Gazlo, Illidan, Jaina, Kael'thas, Rhaegar, Thrall, Tyranda, Uther, Brightwing, Chen, ETC, Falstead, Lily, Malfurion, Mirrodin, Murky, Stitches, and Sylvanas. Oof. The only one I can talk about is Lily because that's the character I played the most as. I don't like Lily. I liked Lily because I only I Lily's easy to play. Like that's why I, I don't I, like. I her. didn't have to do much. I get so I, bored. I just had to. I had to not not die. Yeah, and hold down the Q button to heal. And She's then a great uh, starting character. Yeah, I had especially like yeah. if, for me because like I said I didn't play nearly as much as you guys to to learn the healing role, uh, and and what you need to do as a healer. Um, I thought Lily was a good character for that. Because uh, she has some some decent escapability too. Like if you run into trouble, she's got some abilities that can help her stay she alive. Gets, and, she and boosts speed if she's being attacked. Right? Boost speed. Yep. Um, she's also got an ability that makes the your, the next two and then later on three attacks miss you. So um, if you get uh, if you get get into some trouble and an assassin has their an ability loaded up to blast you in one hit. You know, if you use that at the right time, it'll it'll miss you, and you can you can get away. She's, She's a right. popular character. A lot of people play Lily, yeah. and I hate seeing her on the other team. Yeah, because we have to try and kill her, and she's impossible she's to get. A bastard to kill. So slippery. And then I always liked she has a shrink ray too. Yeah, which I always liked using. Um, I picked that for Tassadar too. Yeah, because if if the other team's not paying attention, they're floating around. They get a little too close to you. You shrink them. They it slows them down, and they're they're a lot more squishy than usual. So that that's powerless. Nice. That's a nice uh, nice ability to have. That was my one like offensive thing that I would pick with Lily. Mm-hmm. I mean, my two, three, and four favorite characters in the game are Sylvanas, Jaina, and Brightwing. So, Brightwing's a healer. Brightwing's also the funniest character in the game, I think, with her dialogue. She's zany. Yeah, yeah that's that's another thing. The characters kind of talk to each other when like. And that is something that's very underrated, I think. Yeah. Oh, it, some of it's really funny. Yeah. If you're yeah. not if you're not paying attention, you might not notice it. But it's it's really fun to watch the characters I, interact with each other. When I was playing Johanna yesterday or whatever day it was, a couple days ago, um, we were playing a match, and I had killed. I think I don't remember who. I might have been Uther on the other team a few times. It was Diablo. It was Diablo. And after I killed him again, she goes, "How many times is that now, Diablo?" And I just started <laughs> giggling to myself. I was like, "Yes." Um, but yeah, and actually, Dan, this is something they added since you 
stopped playing. Yeah. Um, it's been like two months, I think, since the last time. I some played. of the new skins that they're putting out have new voiceovers. Oh, that's cool. Or like themed abilities, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, like Brightwing has a monkey skin, so she talks like a monkey, <laughs> and it's even crazier than what it was before. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like any, I like go to the hero interactions on YouTube and just listen to like what they're saying to each other. Cause some of it's pretty funny and good stuff. Yeah. Um, and like the lore is built in, so like characters like. Illidan and Tyranda, who have, like, a past together, like, they bring up stuff like that. It's cool to hear all of that for the, the lore nerds nice. out there. Tito in the chat said uh, he loves Illidan. Yeah, mm-hmm. Illidan's a very I, popular character, Illidan's too. the one that you hate having on the other team, right? Yep. There's okay. a good Illidan. That's what I can't... That's what I'm trying to remember all these names, and that that was one of the ones I always hated yeah. playing against. He just what, comes in and beats the living shit out of you. If, yep. I, if I'm doing Hero League and I see the other team picked Illidan, I always pick Brightwing, because Brightwing can turn you into an animal mm-hmm. and that pretty much stops Illidan in his tracks right away oh good to know yeah see that's the part I don't know yet is Ooh. who who to pick to counteract yeah who the one, other one specific has. character annoying right. character like I know team. how to play the character the heroes that I know but I don't know who to pick in certain situations yeah to, to negate someone's ability yeah. other someone else's ability I guess that's like my next step, step to yeah. get better mm-hmm. um Rhaegar is my favorite healer he's in Warcraft if I pick a healer that's who I always pick um, I'm trying to think who else I use a lot from Warcraft. I don't. Sylvanas. Yeah, Sylvanas is really good. Don't, I like her because she sieges. Don't leave her in a lane alone. No. Nope. If you're playing, because then next thing you know, she'll be at your core. Because she si- she silences towers so they don't shoot at her. Mm-hmm. And she just picks Takes them apart. Them and you won't kill her one on one either. No. So, uh, Jane has a glass cannon. She has probably one of the, besides Murky, the least hit points in the game. But boy, Jane is a big pussy. Boy, does she deal a lot of damage, though. Yeah. Didn't like playing as Jaina. She was too squishy. She's you need to be very good with positioning yeah. with her. She's like the positioning character. Yeah. Um. Does Falstad in there? Yep, Falstad. Falstad's pretty fun because he can fly across the map. Uh, that's instead of having a mount because he's on an eagle or some sort of a bird, griffin or a something. Griffin. Um, instead of having a mount to to use, he can just fly to any spot across the map. Yeah, I always hated trying to chase him down. Yeah, he's a bastard. In a, in a team fight, he, he always got get away. away. He does a lot of damage, too. <coughs> he's an un- he's another underrated assassin, mm-hmm. I feel like. Uh, you want to move on to maps? Yeah, let's go on to maps. Uh, so, yeah, I went over Tomb of the Spider Queen. That's possibly my favorite map. It's one of mine, too. I'm terrible at it, but it's really cool. I think I have a good win rate on that one. Um, I'm over 50% on all of them except Garden of Terror. Ugh, that map. I actually don't mind it as much as I used to, but, uh, yeah, I like, uh, Tomb of the Spider Queen is a lot of fun. I like the objective in it. Um, calling down the spiders to come help you is a blast and, you know, trying to clear out the lane to let them drop as far into the enemy territory as you can is always a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way it looks. Yeah, it's got a nice color scheme. Yep. It's purple. Very, yeah, purple is a nice color to me. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Um, not much else to say about it. Yeah, no, we talked about it a little bit before you Is that turn. a Diablo map? Uh, no. All the maps right now are not based off any game. Oh, they're not? No. Diablo, oh. the Diablo map's the first one. Oh, nice. It's based in its own, the Nexus is basically what it they is. You should do a Polydol, ca- oh, that's a request. Polydol Caverns. <laughs> they should still do it. Yep. Just rip it off. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Uh, Sky Temple. Sky Temple's fun. Yeah, it's my highest win rate. Was it? Yeah. So the objective on that one is uh, top, middle, and bottom of the map, there's a, a temple. It's a circular temple, um, and you periodically throughout the match, um, a timer goes off, and your team has to go stand on the circle 
and they'll shoot lasers at the enemy base to try and take it apart. Um, but different ones Activate. spring up at different times throughout the match, so it creates a, a good team fight, you know, pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah, because if there's only one, all ten people are going to be at that temple. Yeah, like the second pop is the bottom one. I've learned that. Yeah. Me- <laughs> I know the first the first pop and the second pop. After that, I'm lost. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I forgot which one it was. Yeah. Uh, this map is very yellow, so if you don't like a yellow palette, yeah. color palette, you're not going to like kinda this It's kind of like map. an Egyptian feel. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's like act, act two of Diablo yeah. 3. What else? Uh, Garden of Terror. Garden of Terror is cool. I lo- Actually, this one grew on me. Uh, this is one of the ones that we were talking about where you can actually take over a more powerful being, the, the terror itself. Um, so what you do... Uh, there's a countdown again, and when the countdown is over, uh, little seedlings pop up, and then an actual garden terror that you have to kill pops up, and they all drop seeds, and after you collect a 100 of them, back at your home base, your own garden of terror will, will pop, and you have to go take control of it. Um, what I've learned, the best thing to do, especially if the other team is just coming for you, is to go drop the, the plant at the enemy's uh, first base, the first wall there, so that it, like, constricts and tries to like pull it apart yeah run to the, to another lane and do it at all the different lanes that's what i do too yeah so it just like breaks them each down and usually you can get through one of them and take the other two down about halfway mm-hmm. it's it's i think it's the best strategy that i've found yeah i do that i do that a lot too but yeah i, I don't know that's that's a pretty interesting one the only reason why the maps i say i don't like i don't like them is because i lose a lot on them i do yeah. like all of the maps a lot the only one i don't like is pirates bay yeah but yeah, this is a very fun map. I it's as like we had talked about, you control like this beast, and it's just cool to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, does, it breaks the gameplay up a little bit too. Yeah. So um, next one's Haunted Mines, which that, is my second best map. That's my favorite one. Is it? Yeah, yeah, this one is basically this is a two lane map, so there's not that much lanes in it. But what happens is the mines open up. And it's the separate part of the map that you go like. It's like a mini map. Yeah, yeah, it's like a. It's an underground area that's a mini, like another part of the map, and you're fighting in these mines, uh, and you're killing these like like dead, I don't know, undead beast things. Yeah, I don't know how I describe them. Yeah. Little skull monsters. Yeah, or little undead skull monsters, and they drop skulls. And there's a hundred in this area, and there's like I think like eight groups of small ones. And that was episode two hundred two, Heroes of the Storm. Uh, the final part for our early 2015 games recap, I guess is what I'm going to call this episode. And Heroes of the Storm was a really important game for me this year. Up until I'd played that, I never really got the whole MOBA thing. Um, I think League of Legends, both League of Legends and Dota are known for their steep barrier of entry. And I think Heroes of the Storm was a nice, nice entry point and kind of segue into the world of MOBAs. Um, I never really latched onto it other than a month or two that I played it, but uh, now I can watch uh, a Dota or League event and kind of understand what's going on. So I think Heroes of the Storm did a nice job of of, of allowing me to grasp the ups and downs of a MOBA match and, and all that, that that comes with it. So uh, Heroes of the Storm definitely is an, an important game for me this year and an important game for for gaming, I think, as a whole that came out this year so yeah um our thummies episode is going to be january 2nd probably i don't know after late afternoon early evening is when we'll start so uh stay tuned for that 
Um, that'll do it for episode 231 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and we'll see you at the Thummies. Hey, watch with the blinds and